The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. As you begin your spiritual journey, you are often told what to do and receive advice on which path to follow. But as you move along, eventually you need to become your own guide. Progress can be difficult at times, but once you reach new levels of awareness, the inner vistas are spectacular. Welcome to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us. Your guide and companion is Giles Asselin. Come join us now on this path of exploration. Here is your host, Giles Asselin. Yes, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, this is Giles Asselin, uh, the host and companion for Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in all of us. Uh, welcome to the show. I uh, would like, again, to welcome all of you today. This is the premiere of the show. I would like also to spend some time uh, thanking all the people that made it possible for me to be here today, uh, which means obviously all the people at Voice America that I'm working with, but I've been working with for the past three or four months. Uh, some names came to mind, come to mind. Uh, there's uh, my executive producer, James Yaw. There's also a guy I worked with called Jeff uh, Gerstel. He's dealing with uh, all the uh, new hosts. I've uh, been doing also doing a training with uh, a person called Randy for about a, a week ago. And finally, but last but not least, um, the CEO of the company, Jeff Spannard, who found me on LinkedIn about four months ago at the end of September. So it was good timing, very unexpected, and it gave me some time to get up to speed and um, discuss things with uh, James Yaw. So it was very... Um, very appreciative for the process and all what happened in the past three or four months. I mean, a lot of things go into this show. I didn't realize, obviously. I'm a novice at doing uh, radio shows. And uh, the other people I would like to thank, obviously, are the people that helped me get where I am today um, in my life. Uh, I'm a 50-plus years old uh, man from France originally. So I would like to thank uh, my immediate family, my wife, our son, and also my mother and my brother who are living in France, as well as uh, all the people who helped me along the path, all the people I worked with, some people I'm still working with. Uh, it's very important to have some, um, I wouldn't say guides only, but some people who are there to hear you and listen to you and, and sometimes give you some advice. I have also two very special friends I would like to mention in the Paris area. Um, one is an American who has moved to France quite some time ago. He's married with a family, and I've been a friend with him for five or six years, and he helped me quite a bit, even reviewing my English bios and documents. Uh, his name is Terry Kaufman. And the second person I've been in touch with about maybe two years now, uh, she deals with uh, tarot, the Tower of Marseille, 
And uh, her name is Elizabeth uh, Berger, Burger in a sense, in, in English. And I believe she's listening tonight. And uh, she originally from, from Poland. So I share with these two people uh, a migrant experience. I was born in France some, um, some years ago, as I said. And uh, I've been uh, living in the U.S. for almost 25 years, in fact. Next week will be my 25th anniversary of, of being and living in the U.S. Um, I would like to say a few things about myself, but not so much about the human being that I am, much more so about the spiritual being and my spiritual path, especially during the past maybe seven, eight years, when I started to really consciously working and, and walking on the path, I guess. And um, that's what I would like to do now. And also, for the rest, for the remainder of the show, I would like to talk about what this show is all about, uh, what do we have planned for the next few weeks, uh, the three or four, in my mind, I guess the, the next three or four shows are pretty clear, things I want to talk about. And I would like to invite you right from now, I mean, to, to please uh, call in, let us know what you're interested in, uh, if there's anything you would like to share with us, uh, I would be very grateful to, to hear from you. There's a toll-free number that you can use at Voice America. Uh, there's also an email where you can reach me directly. Uh, the email, you can find, find it on the page at, uh, at my show page, but it's also, I can give it to you now, it's uh, seeking at nurturingthegift.org, seeking at nurturingthegift.org. So the way I would like to introduce myself uh, is to talk about a, a spiritual experience that took place about seven, eight years ago. Um, originally, when I came to the U.S. for the very first time in 1987, um, I met someone, I was staying in a college in, in New York City, and I met someone who introduced me to, um, to a, a Buddhist religion, There's many branches of Buddhism, and introduced me, introduced me to one of them. Uh, this person's name uh, is Mamadou. He's originally from Burkina Faso. And uh, I had a very good connection with him right away, and we spent quite a bit of time together. And one night, he took me to some place, to a meeting, and uh, he said, you can join the organization now, I mean, if you want to. And I didn't know what to do or what to say. I mean, uh, I had, it was just like flipping a coin, in a sense. And the reason I said yes to him and I, I, I agreed to join the organization is was because I trusted this, this guy, uh, Mamadou, uh, who must be back home by now. And so then for the next about 20 years, uh, I've been practicing a, a Buddhist uh, religion, um, again, many different kinds of branches. I'm not going to get into the details of what I was practicing. I was reciting a mantra, which is a fairly powerful mantra, uh, out loud, um, together with a group of people or alone by myself in my, in my private time. And things were going well. I practiced, uh, when I came to visit in 1907, I was based in France. So I went back to France, bought some books about Buddhism, and then um, about two or three years later, came back to the U.S. for good. That's when I moved to uh, a small place in Wisconsin called Oshkosh. And... Um, I practiced a little bit there, but it wasn't very, very meaningful. Uh, and then I moved to New Jersey in 1994 and started practicing much more assiduously. There were many more members around, so it was more like a group effort. And I was very comfortable in this practice, very comfortable in this, in this group of people, uh, a long-time member after 10 or 
15 years, I got responsibilities. I had mid-level responsibility. I was um, in charge more or less with other people of a group of about 100 people. Things were going well. And then for whatever reason, I started to question things. Um, around the year 2005, 2006, I felt very, very constricted in this organization. I felt that um, I was receiving a lot of so-called guidance from above, guidance that I had to bring down to the other members without any kind of input. So I was feeling that uh, the hierarchy was pretty heavy on me, and I was just questioning my being in this organization and the reason for being and practicing this religion. And so I kept asking questions. I met with some people, some leaders, even some national-level leaders. It's a, it's a global organization. It's well-structured in the U.S., possibly too structured. And uh, I didn't get the answers I was seeking. And, but I could, I could sense a force growing in me, I mean, something that kept pushing me out of this organization. Uh, it's very hard to explain with words when something is growing within you. And then I took a workshop um, outside the organization. It was a, a workshop in uh, what is called Art of Hosting. I was into that, started in 2006. So in 2007, I attended a workshop in the Poconos in eastern Pennsylvania. There was a group of about 30, 32 people who gathered for about three and a half days uh, in the middle of the woods in a place called Kirkridge. And uh, the very first morning, we had a, a big circle, again, 30, 32 people. And the leaders of the group uh, asked us, you know, introduce yourself the way you want, share what is going on in your life, the reason you came here. And the question that was really strong on my mind at the time was, uh, what am I supposed to do? It was November 2007. I really wanted to leave that Buddhist organization. It was a very difficult decision for me. And after 15, 20 years of being involved, both in France and the U.S., and I thought to myself, you know, what am I going to do? And I shared that, that question in the group that morning uh, when I introduced myself. I voiced that out loud to the universe in a sense. And there was a moment of magic within the next two hours. The, the, the response was very clear within me that landed in a sense or birthed within me. I don't know how to explain that. But the answer was, yes, you have to leave. It's time to go in a sense. It's time to fly. And the metaphor I was using at the time when I was visualizing things is like I was in this golden cage. I was very well taken care of. People were wonderful people well-organized, good practice, but in a sense, I wasn't able to express my potential. And so I ended up, the, work, the workshop ended after three days, three meaningful days. I also spent some time by myself reflecting on what was going on. And then I got home, and then on Thanksgiving Day, I called one of the leaders, and I said, this is it, I'm resigning, and I'm going to be leaving the organization. And that's what I did. And to me, it felt very, very sudden, very abrupt in a sense that suddenly I would cut all the cords to this organization I had been with for 20 years, 20 long years. And I didn't quite understand what was going on at the time. Again, something, a force within was, was pushing me to do this that way. And it was like that. For about two years, I started doing my own things, my own research into some ancient teachings and, and trying to find my own way, walking my path solo at the time. I joined a couple of organizations, but 
the, the friendliness and the coaching was very different from the Buddhist organization. And then in 2010, I started picking up a book, a book written by Anne Illman. This book is called Awakening the Energies of Love. I think it was written in 2008. And then the light came suddenly. Um, I will read a portion of the bio that I wrote for Voice America for my show, which you can find on my homepage also. But it was suddenly that there was a light coming and explaining to me why is it that I left so rapidly, so abruptly that I left this organization. So this is what I wrote. My personal path has taken me through various religious and spiritual worlds. By Thanksgiving Day in 2007, I decided to leave the religious organization I had been practicing with for 20 years. While I didn't feel any regret, I was confused as to why it happened so suddenly and so abruptly. It felt like the branch I was sitting on for so long was gone, and it was gone for good. One of the most meaningful realizations I've ever had occurred a couple years later when, reading a following quote from Hal Hillman in her book, Awakening the Energies of Love, I discovered why this rupture had happened. Here is the quote. It wasn't until my mid-40s that I mentioned my dilemma with the church to a colleague who was once been a Dominican priest. He told me the story of a beautiful tree in the center of a garden, surrounded by a high stone wall. He likened the tree to a person searching for the sacred and the world to the boundaries defined by our religion. He concluded by saying, the tree needs to grow out of the garden. Its branches need room to expand and spread wide. They need to reach far outside the garden's wall, for they cannot be contained by the wall's limits. But the tree always remains rooted in the garden. It was, once again, a very liberating quote, uh, which explained to me what was going on within me at the time in 2005, 2006, and 2007, why, again, something was growing within me. It's like, it feels like, a, when I think back about it, it feels like a seed. A seed was developing. I needed to nurture it. I needed to pay attention to it. And I'm glad that I did, because in the end, uh, there was a very beautiful outcome, and I was able to free myself and find my own, my own spiritual path and start walking on my own. So this is the story I wanted to share. Again, it's a very meaningful story. And uh, I think it's, it's really what got me going, I guess, uh, it's very important when you find reinforcement on the path. And my experience is that uh, oftentimes you find explanations or you find gifts on the road, but down the road, they never come quite at the same time. And then suddenly you start to look back and it says to you, that's why you did this, or that's why this happened to you. And I think it's, uh, again, very reassuring. Uh, one thing I wanted to say also at this juncture, when the snow is only, when the show is only beginning at the beginning, is that I will be talking obviously about my own experience, my own subjective experience, and I realize that it's my path, 
And a lot of things that I've did, that I've done, uh, are working for me or worked for me and are still working for me, but it may not work for anybody else around, or it may work for a few of you, or it may not, I don't know. I'm not pretending that I have the truth. I have my own and unique truth, and so do you, in a sense. But there are about seven plus billion people on Earth, and each of us uh, has a path, and I think it's really the purpose of this show uh, to encourage you to walk your own path. It's really my, my deepest desire. Um, if you could find you know, a way to, to walk on your own, I mean, there's many, many different ways uh, to walk, and I'm not here to tell you how to walk. But uh, I think it's very important that each of us find his or her own way on the path. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for joining. Uh, we will soon take uh, a break. So I will see you in a few minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Now there's a new destination for video content. VoiceAmerica.tv. Just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7. VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise Are you looking to advance spiritually? Listen each week for Spiritual Enlightenment, Advancing One's Wisdom. Your host, Medium Maureen Allen, will cover an array of spiritual topics aimed to help you advance your soul's desired growth. Each week, areas of spirituality will be discussed and explored ranging from strange, paranormal experiences to heaven spirit guides and angels to learn more about the other dimensions and how to better assist your path of evolution tune into spiritual enlightenment advancing one's wisdom every tuesday at 4 p.m pacific time 7 p.m eastern on the voice america seventh wave channel we're making it easier to listen to the voice america talk radio network live wherever you go on iphone blackberry or android download it from the apple itunes app store blackberry app world or android market you are listening to nurturing the spiritual spelunker in all of us with giles Asselin. To reach the program, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to seeking at nurturingthegift.org. Now, back to the program. Hello, this is Jill again. Welcome back. Thank you very much again for listening and for listening to my own uh, journey on the path. Again, I would be very happy if you would like to share with us uh, what is your own journey um, and what happened on your own path. 
I guess it's very meaningful, I think, for people to share what goes on. So one question I wanted to address uh, fairly briefly is the reason for this show. Um, again, it's, it's sort of a platform for all of us to commune at some level, at some spiritual level. Uh, it's also a way for each of us to, to get encouraged on the path. Sometimes it may feel pretty lonely, and sometimes you may want to reach out to other people and share some of your experience, some of your ha-ha moments, like the one I shared in my first segment. Um, at the same time, I don't know exactly what will happen in the next 12 to 13 weeks. Um, this is the, the length of the pilot series. And um, I'm just open to about anything. I mean, feel free to reach out and, and let us know what you're interested in and what kind of questions you have. In the next segment, I will, um, I will tell you a little bit about what I'm planning to do for the next uh, couple of shows. Uh, at this time, I would like to address the question, uh, how do we go within? Um, the title, I think, of the show, Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us, is pretty self-explanatory. And if you look at the banner, the picture of the banner also, it's fairly, it's a good message. And the message is very simple. It says, please go within, explore any kind of areas in your life that you think need exploration and walk your own path. You may want to walk with someone else. You may want to take a guide. You may want to take a friend. You may want to hire a coach. I don't know. I'm not here to tell you how to walk. It's really, again, your own personal journey. What I'm saying and the core of my message is it's important to go within and to look within in the first place, obviously, and to go within and then to do the work that you have to do. Again, I can't tell you what kind of work that you're supposed to do in this lifetime, but I think all of us have a reason to be here and have, to some extent, some work to do. I wanted to mention a small story. Um, when I looked at this question, how do we go within, for which I don't have that many answers, uh, I will tell you along the show the kind of things that worked with me. I worked with a coach for about two years, uh, from April 2011 to April 2013, and we did a lot of exploration within. This guy called Lev Nathan is um, based in New York State and allowed me to, to what, according to his words, to explore my inner landscape. And that's where the origin of the word spelunking uh, come from. I didn't know about this word three or four years ago. It's a very strange word to me, spelunking. It's also a very meaningful word. And until I did some work with him and explored many different parts of my inner life, uh, did I come to learn about this, this word and this, uh, I would even call it this art or this sport, if you wish. But when I was thinking about this question in the past few days, I was, I was wondering, what am I going to tell my audience today? And something very interesting happened yesterday morning, um, something I want to share with you in regards to going within. And yesterday morning when I woke up, um, there was the little voice, you know, the voice that comes from within, the voice that is there to be nurtured, the same voice that talked to me in 2007 when it was time for me to leave the Buddhist organization. And yesterday morning, that voice said to me right when I got up, 
it said, you know, perhaps it's not a good idea to take that yoga class today at the gym. And my family, with my family, we go to, to the gym every Wednesday morning, and I usually take a yoga class, a power yoga class at 10.30. It's a very energetic class. I like it because I sense my, my blood flowing, uh, which is very good at this time of the year when it's cold outside. And um, yesterday morning, the message was simple. I didn't ignore the message. I kept it in the part of my mind. And then came 10.30, we were at the gym. I went to the class. I was just looking outside the window, and I said, okay, the class is starting, and I'm not going to join it. And instead, I went to a different part of the gym next to the men's locker's room. Uh, there's a room by itself, and uh, in that room, you can watch TV. The guys, obviously, it's a, it's a men's room. The men can watch TV. And um, it's a dark room when the light is off, obviously. There's also a TV. And the first thing I did when I got into the room, I unplugged the TV so that I had some quiet by myself. It was dark. Every condition I need to, to go within, which I wasn't really planning to do. And for about 20 minutes, um, 20, 25 minutes, I started doing my own going within. And what I did, I'm working at the moment with an energy coach based outside Chicago. His name is, is Scott Smith. And um, I did what he advised me to do, which means to, to work on my chakra, to connect my chakras, uh, to do some work with the cords, um, cutting the cords. I realize it's an important work, even though I don't fully understand what it means. And do also some cleansing or clearing work with violet flame. So I did all of this in about 20 minutes, again, consciously, consciously cleansing and clearing all the debris that I could. And after about 20, 25 minutes, uh, someone came into the room, a guy we had seen before at the gym. And um, a guy who didn't look very well, uh, very healthy in a sense. So we had seen him in a workshop the year prior. He seemed to have some mental challenges. He's very withdrawn, he was very withdrawn. And he wouldn't say much, wouldn't make any eye contact, and uh, didn't look very well dressed in a sense. You know, his clothes were not in very good shape. And um, that was the case yesterday morning. I could tell he was coming out of the shower. And uh, again, he unplugged the TV. He didn't look at me. We never made any kind of eye contact. And then he started charging his phone. And then he was putting layers and layers on top of him. And I've seen him in a car outside, so I assumed that he may be living in his car, you know, a homeless person. And what was very interesting, what I felt then, I felt the need to send him compassion. Uh, so I gathered the energy of divine compassion, and I sent it to him. And what I noticed then, which was really surprising to me, is that the need to judge wasn't there. I was in a very neutral mode. I was in a non-judgmental mode, and that really, really surprised me. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't feeling pity for this guy. We apparently had, you know, some difficult life circumstances. I wasn't really feeling good about myself because I was able to send compassion to someone, but I was, I was there for the person, and I stayed in the room for another, for another, for another ten minutes. No exchange of words. The guy came out of the room, then came back. It was a bit strange, but I stayed there in my, in my 
energy flow in a sense, and I was able to to send him some again some some compassion, and I was very surprised. And um, again, it's a it's a small benefit, but if we listen to the small voice that comes and talks to us, it's a very subtle voice. I'm sure many of you had that experience of behind the ego voice, the lower self voice, which is very rough, very loud, which puts a lot of pressure. My ego voice puts a lot of pressure on me in terms of time, saying that you need to do something and you need to do it now. Wow, sometimes I can't stand it. And if I do something, follow my ego voice, oftentimes things down the wall do not go very well. If you follow the small voice, the tiny voice that comes from within, that comes from the seed, from the seed of our own divinity somewhere deep down within, then things start to change. But this voice will never say things out loud. It will never push. It's up to us. It's up to us to do spelunking and to make sure we are there, we are present when this voice expresses itself. So that's what I wanted to share in terms of, of living what the Buddhism, what in Buddhism we said, Buddhism equals daily life. So it means, it means to me, and it was a beautiful example yesterday, that uh, we can do spelunking just about any time, just about anywhere. There's no ideal place to do spelunking. It's really how we feel. A lot of times we can do spelunking because we meet people we don't like and they push us to the corner in a sense or they push some of our buttons and we can't stand it. And if we had at that time the frame of mind of going within even for 10 seconds and pull up some divine energy, some energy of love, some energy of grace, some energy of compassion, it is very, very useful and beneficial to us. In the past week also, I wanted to, to reflect on that um, twice. I read something about humility on the path, and I was surprised because I've rarely heard about advice in terms of being humble. And, and by humble, I mean we are all spiritual people, and there's no way to, to brag about that. It's something very natural. It's who we are. But again, twice in the past week or so, I was reminded about that. First, in an article that talked about uh, different predictions for 2015 based on astrological charts. And two or three days ago, someone posted also something on Facebook saying that some of these new age guys, not so much the teachers, but people who pretend to walk the path, do not show great humility. And I wanted to read a, t uh, a short quote from, um, from the first article um, that I got, uh, the one that talked about the predictions for 2015. It says, we must be able to live spiritual truth in the midst of the mundane, not spend our days waiting for that moment when we can go off and be spiritual again elsewhere. Any and all notions of spirituals equals special will be repeatedly challenged by Saturn in the coming couple of years, which means 2015, 16, 17. Our task is to recognize that spiritual is not a label making us or our lives out from the crowd, 
but instead it is a fact about human existence which anyone can choose to acknowledge at any moment. And that goes back to what I was saying, that we can be spiritual in just about any circumstance. There's no need for us to go into a cave. There's no need for us to attend a retreat for two weeks, three weeks. Most of what we experience at the deepest level is is triggered by people who live around us, our families, possibly our co-workers. I know that there can be a lot of turmoil going on at work, but um, it's really where we need to do our, it's a Buddhist term that I would be using, that's where we need to do our human revolution and try to turn things around. So I would encourage you to do as much as possible and reflect on how spiritual we can be in the midst of the mundane, which is, you know, sometimes we do simple things like washing the dishes or taking the garbage out. And this also has a function, a function in, in society, in humanity. And how can we do that with possibly more awareness, awareness of who we are as a group of people all over the, the world searching for our own truth, our own unique truth? That's the way I described it in uh, in the, in the description that I gave for the show, I guess, we, we all have our own unique destiny, in a sense, our unique truth. And the more we search, I would think, the more we search, the more we find. The more, the deeper we go into, into the experience of, of finding our truth. Uh, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of perseverance. But I think in the end, uh, if you look at the picture in the middle of my banner, it's a picture that was given to me by a German speleologist called Max Wischak. Uh, he lives outside Hamburg in, in Germany, and he's, he's done many kinds of explorations all over the place. And he has a set of pictures, uh, beautiful pictures, and I, I chose a couple that I wanted to use for the banner because to me they are very meaningful. And they show very well that Within uh, these caves, again, if you look at the metaphor of spelunking, the cave of our own art, we can find beautiful vistas, we can find beautiful, um, beautiful scenery. And that's what spelunking is all about. Again, if we don't go within, we're not going to find anything. We're going to stay on the mundane, just going to live our lives, Maybe some other people will control our lives, too. I mean, people at work, obviously, you know, we know, we all know what it is to do things for other people. And I think it's, it's important also to spend some time and, um, and do things for ourselves, do things that make us, in a sense, richer, richer not so much in terms of having more money, but richer in terms of having more more knowledge of ourselves, more knowledge of who we are, more conscience, in a sense, of why is it that we are on this earth. So that's what I would like you to encourage to, to be doing. Uh, if you'd like, you can also visit my blog. I have a blog at nurturingthegiftofseeking.org, the nurturingthegiftofseeking.org. And you will find some information about my own path. 
favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Could you be the next legendary leader? That question hinges on your courage and willingness to change. Join Maria Danley every week for Legendary Leaders, answering the higher calling. Be inspired by stories and legend and listen to legendary guests along with live channeling to help you answer your higher calling and become the legendary leader you are destined to be. The world is waiting for you. Step up and join the wave. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Listening to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us with Giles Asselin. To reach the program, call in to 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You may also send an email to seeking at nurturingthegift.org. Now, back to the program. Hello, this is Jill again. Welcome back for the last segment of today's show, Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us. Again, thanks for listening. I wanted to tell you a bit more about um, how I look at the show and um, what I'm going to be addressing in the next couple of weeks. Um, In the first place, I may want in the near future to interview some people, some people... uh, I've been working with or some people I'm close to in terms of my spiritual connection. I mentioned uh, my energy coach, uh, Scott Smith. I also mentioned a coach, a different coach I worked with in, for about two years in 2011, 2013, Lev Nathan. And I think uh, it would be very interesting to go into these deeper areas and understand the kind of uh, work you can do with a spiritual coach or an energy coach, as I call Scott. But I wanted uh, for now to talk a little bit about uh, next week's show. And I wanted to, to talk about those unconscious behaviors, uh, the way we, the patterns we have in our lives that are very much unconscious and that make us, these patterns make us function in autopilot. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. You know, things we do without even thinking. I mean, a lot of those patterns come from our conditioning in our childhood, the way society uh, conditions us, the way our parents do, the way our schools do. I mean, I've been working in the field of cross-cultural relations for a number of years, and it's kind of thing that I've 
very much of interest to me. And obviously, there's variations in the way you raise a child. I think uh, raising a child is a great way to look into a culture. The way you raise a child between China, Argentina, the U.S., and where else? I don't know, Australia, for instance. You know, there's the kind of values you are transmitting. And, and again, getting back to these unconscious behaviors, the thing we do that we don't even realize, we think that we, all over the world we have a large amount of free will, but I learned not so long ago that because of what our unconscious does to us, maybe 95% of what we do is controlled by our subconscious, sorry. And it's the kind of thing I want to go into next week, exploring that a little deeper and, and, and looking at the way those unconscious behaviors uh, work in our lives. And if you do it on your own, it's very difficult because obviously if those behaviors are unconscious, how can you look into them? And honestly, you can't. That's why it's important to have people around us in our families, in our communities, in our workplaces that can be honest with us and tell us things, people that can act as mirrors to us. And we should be very grateful for those people around us, even if they drive us nuts, I guess. That's part of their task, in a sense. That's why they are in our lives. Uh, that's how we call them messengers from, from the universe. And they tell us you know, what to look at. They push a button that drives us nuts, that drives us crazy, but that's a message. And if we react in uh, automatic behavior the way most of us do, it's not going to be very productive. Instead, I think it's important, again, to go within and to ask yourself, you know, why is it that I'm reacting that way? Why is it that it hurts when this person says this or that? What happened? What has been implanted in me long ago or not so long ago in my own psyche that I can't get rid of? And every time someone says something to me, then it goes all over the place and there's turmoil within me. A lot of this happened to me personally in my childhood, and I've been doing a lot of reflection, uh, a lot of cleansing work for about 15 years when I was part of this Buddhist organization. Uh, so it's something I would like to address also next week. But I wanted to go back and tell you a small story, a small anecdote. Uh, that got me going, I think it was the year 2005, 2006, and I met with a person, she lives in the, in the, she lived, she moved back to France, but she lived in the Princeton area, and she had been to a training center. People uh, work in the field, again, of cross-cultural relations, and she had gotten my name, and she knew I was living not far from Princeton, so uh, she called me and said, you know, would it be possible for us to, to have a cup of coffee and, and discuss, you know, few things about the field, how you work, and, and I think she was also interested in possibly getting a work, some, some work with me, with, with our company. And so I said yes, and we met one morning. We went to um, Barnes & Noble, to the Starbucks, and not too far from Princeton, and um, we decided to have a cup of coffee and sit down at the table and, and just hash it out. And she was ahead of me, so she had a cup of coffee, and I had a cup of coffee as well. I think my cup of coffee was worth $2.39, if I remember correctly. And the cashier asked, asked her, she said, is it going to be together or separate? And she said, separate. And within me, fairly rapidly, I said, why is she doing this to herself? 
I'm going to be spending two or three hours with this person. I'm going to be giving her advice about the field. She may even want to work with us if possible. And she's not able to pay me a cup of coffee, which is worth $2.39. Wow. That really rang the bell. And I didn't give her any feedback, of course. Uh, I wasn't able to give her any kind of work, and possibly she didn't have the right background. But since that time, you know, I've been questioning the, the reason why we do this to ourselves. Why is it that, in a sense, you want to, a door to open, and the first thing you do, you close the door, and you make sure it's closed very tight, that nobody else wants like, would like to come in. And so the, the leading question I had in the years 2005-2006 was, um, the question was, how can I help people see? How can I help people see what they cannot see? I'm not sure it's my work or my duty to do this, except if someone asks me for guidance or, or assistance. I think at the time also it was a question just for me. I mean, how can I help myself see what I cannot see? And honestly, off my head at the moment, I don't have any answer. There's a lot of practices you can do, a lot of things you can subscribe to in a sense, and uh, I guess many kinds of things. But off my head, it, it's very difficult. One of the reasons it's difficult is because once we go spelunking and we go deep down, let's say you go down to a thousand feet deep, then I think it's very hard to remember what you did when you went down 300 feet or 400 feet or 500 feet. What happened then? And how is it that what you explored, the spelunking you did then with maybe your childhood memory, how is it that you resolved it in a sense? How is it that you went through that fear? How is it that you remove the veil, I think, to use a Sufi term? And, and again, I can't tell you, I'm, I'm very honest here, I can't tell you exactly how to do it. What I can do and what I can tell you is that it's worth exploring and that you have to go within and you have to spend time. The more something hurts, the deeper the message is in a sense. And there's something for, for us to work around that that pain, that distress. Um, I was reading a poem this morning by Rumi. Rumi is a Sufi also. And um, I would like to read that poem to you. I think it's a very, it's very, works very much along the lines of what I've just been talking about. Going within and, and, um, and exploring, exploring what hurts, what doesn't work, what was us nuts. This poem is called The Guest House. Again, it's Rumi, and Rumi is a very famous Sufi sage. So it reads, it reads, uh, this being human is a guest house. Every morning a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an, as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all, even, they are, even if they are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house, empty of its furniture. Still, treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, 
the shame, the malice. Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. And I think it dovetails so nicely with what I was saying earlier on that, again, there's a lot of messengers coming to us. The question or rather the challenge is can we, can we welcome those messengers? Can we bow to them and can we say, please come in? When it's something which is very painful, something which is unpleasant, something that brings you bad luck in a sense, a tendency to say, let's stop here. I don't want you to be in my life. So it's a very, it's a very natural reaction, you know, not to go to, not to enjoy or not to welcome those, those painful things. So this is what I want to talk about next week if you have any question or if you have any expectation regarding the show. I will also be mentioning um, a, a psychologist, um, a guy named Bill Plotkin. He works out of a base in Durango in southwest Colorado, and he organizes uh, soul adventures, in a sense, in, in nature, five, six, seven-day retreats, and he drops you out in the nature. Uh, and you're, the only thing you're facing is yourself, and you're communing with nature, and, and things come up again, messages from within, uh, surrounded that you are by the beauty of nature. And I read one of these books, uh, it's called um, Nature and the Human Soul. And I will share some a passage about that book, and especially one that relates to what he calls the sacred wound. And the sacred wound relates... Uh, refers to something that happened to us in our childhood and something that needs to be taken care of lovingly, with care and compassion. And it's, it's a difficult kind of work, but it's very much along the lines of uh, the spelunking that I'm talking about. And um, I will put some information on my blog again. It's nurturingthegiftofseeking.org. Uh, feel free to drop me a comment there, but I will post um, this excerpt from the book uh, from Bill Plotkin, again, uh, Nature and the Human Soul, and this excerpt about um, the sacred wood, I guess. And I will expand on that. I tend to, on my blog, I also tend to give you a little heads up about um, the topics or the headlines of what my show will be about. So if you're interested... If you'd like to know more, I tend to post that the day before or two days before. I also send information through Facebook. So if you'd like to reach me again, uh, my email is seeking at nurturingthegift.org. Seeking at nurturingthegift.org. Thank you very much for listening, and I look forward to spelunking with you next week. Thank you for joining us on Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us. Your personal journey, assisted by your guide and companion, Giles Asselin, will continue next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be sure to tune in again.